0: This is Patrick Daly, and welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a program about connections, international business, supply chains, and globalization, and their effects on our life, our work, and our travel in recent times. Today on the show, we'll be talking to Declan Foster, founder of Martello Change Consulting. And uh, Martello Change Consulting is a niche management consulting practice that specializes in providing expert change management, transformation, and project delivery services. So uh, welcome, Declan, and thank you very much for being here with us today.
1: Thanks, Patrick. It's great to be here.
0: Delighted to uh, have you. Maybe just to... uh, Kickoff and an overview, could you give us a kind of um, a brief synopsis, kind of maybe a, a whistle stop tour history of your career to date? What brought you to being the founder of um, Martello
1: Change Consulting? Yes, well, I've been working in the project delivery space for about uh, twenty-five years now. Uh, initially in project management roles, but in more in recent years. I had a focus on organizational change management, okay. which is the people side of these uh, technology projects. And the more the majority of my experience was gained in Australia, where I lived for about uh, 18 years. And a few years back, I returned um, back home to here to my hometown uh, of Dublin. And um, I have been ranked in the top ten top leaders in project management by Pinkers uh, 360. And I'm also uh, the co-author of a book called uh, Humology, Uh, How to Put Humans Back at the Heart of Technology. Um, I also uh, believe in uh, lifelong learning, and I've recently studied uh, behavioral economics and received an honors degree in AI. And I'm also currently studying AI for business uh, over at Oxford University.
0: Excellent. So that's interesting. Um, Technology projects and human beings so what what are the challenges and what are the pitfalls and where do companies maybe overlook the the human element in
1: technology projects yeah well they are often overlooked and too often then we focus on this the uh uh the dollars and the deliverables you know and we forget that for any project to be successful it has to actually be used by individuals and it has to be adopted by individuals, uh, by employees uh, in order to make it successful. And I think that's really where, where where change management comes in. And it's handy to have somebody, say, quite separate from the project manager who's looking after the cost, the budget and the, the scope and the timeline. Someone whose focus is just purely on the impacts on your employees and making sure that that's done uh, uh, correctly. And I think one of the biggest mistakes maybe I find as well is that... um. Certainly, and I can relate to that from my project management experience as well, is that you kind of get to the finish line on a project and you maybe tick the box and you've, you know, you've met all your objectives as a project manager. But then sometimes the business users, business users still need to adopt to this new technology and this new way of working. And that's where, you know, change management really really uh, comes to the fore.
0: Yeah. Okay. And what, 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 how would you encapsulate what change management is is about so you know when you have a when you have a project and often technology projects and SMEs are driven maybe by by finance and accounting and larger companies you know there might be yeah. an IT department and so on a lot of those people are very kind of techy in their in their approach so what does change management mean in in the context of of those kind of people and um what what needs to happen that, that maybe doesn't happen.
1: Yeah. So I guess as I mentioned, it's first of all, it's it's a focus on on the on on the people that are that are impacted. You know, what are their concerns, what are their issues, uh what can we do to communicate what we're doing a little bit better and um, to those to those employees. And I usually kind of explain it to organizations to say, um, you know, there's a return on investment from, from, from using change management. And it's usually around these three items. It's speed of adoption, it's proficiency and it's ultimate utilisation. So you want you, you, for speed of adoption, you know, you want people to get up to speed as quickly as possible with this new technology that they're using. You want them to be as proficient as possible so that they're using all of the features uh, correctly. So you've got a, a productivity improvement. And then you also want to look at ultimate utilization. So unless it's a system that everybody just has to, to use and there's no, you know, there's no uh, ifs or buts about it. Sometimes you've got, you know, uh, you'll have low ultimate utilization figures because maybe not everybody really wants to use it. Or, you know, people go back to using a different system or they don't really use the, the new system and they go back to using the old way on spreadsheets, you know. So those three factors are are, are really how how I Sell it to organizations, and why change management is important. That's the speed of adoption, uh, the proficiency, and the ultimate utilization.
0: Okay, so does it? So part part of it would be getting the right training, but perhaps also getting the right familiarization and the kind of buy-in, um, or or even the appreciation for the need for the for the change yeah. and benefits of it. Because you know, I find I find myself sometimes I get out of sorts because maybe. LinkedIn have changed the feature and I said well you know I yeah. was happy with the features it was and now they've changed and now I'm now I'm upset you get a lot of that kind of stuff right
1: yes yeah oh absolutely and so you, you've got to I mean communicate first of all why you're doing the change so any change you, you bring into an organization whether it's a large transformation or it's just an implementation of a a smaller back office system it involves change and you're you know you're, you're disrupting how people go about things so the most important thing is really to explain the the why you know why are we doing this in the first place and they usually are you know most times we're doing things for rational reasons it was there possible. are. would yeah.
0: hope there are good reasons yeah
1: yeah exactly but uh, but sometimes we forget to communicate that so it yeah. might be the project team or the sponsor they're well aware of why we're, we're implementing this new accounts payable system but they forget to remind the employees they're asking them to do something different to disrupt how they normally you know use the accounts payable process but they have to remind them, you know, what, what are the reasons for doing it? What's the benefits to the organization? What's the benefits to the individual? You know, you have to communicate that. Yeah. So
0: um, in your your current work at, at Martello, what are, what are the main kind of services you're providing to to clients currently?
1: Yeah, it's it's a focus on change management at the moment. You know, and as I discussed, uh, I mentioned earlier, um, that's really kind of my focus in my career lately. Although I do, I, I still uh, help some organizations out in project management roles. So we're looking uh, looking at uh, change management primarily for technology projects. And I'm also some of the the work that I'm starting to do at the moment. Um, as I mentioned, I've been a keen fan of AI, and I've been studying and researching that for the last few years. Some of the my emerging work at, at the moment is helping to demystify AI, um, uh particularly for leaders and C-suite executives. Um, yeah. So, um, in. So those change management
0: projects, is this maybe where a company is, say, it's going through an ERP implementation and they need some independent help with change management? Is that a kind of a scenario?
1: That's that's a scenario, yes. So they've got, got a technology project or it could be a transformation project or a new ways of working and they need some external help or some expertise to come in and uh you know, guide them through that process and also upscale their existing employees and how to yeah. and, and managers and how to handle change, you know.
0: Okay, and and are you generally then are you are you working with or on behalf of the technology company, or with and on behalf of the ultimate client, or or, or both?
1: Usually, usually with the client, usually with okay. the business itself to uh, to, you know, to help them and work alongside their vendor, you know.
0: Okay, and how would you say clients are better off after having
1: worked with you as opposed to if they hadn't? Um. Well i think first of all uh, the focus again is to to making sure that the change is adopted by the employees and therefore ultimately that whatever change uh, that brings to the organization that that's actually stained with uh, sustained within the organization and um, i also aim to always develop and upskill uh, the people that i that i work alongside within my team and also to leave them with the organization at an organizational level Leave them with resources and toolkits that they can use in the in the future. So toolkits around, you know, practical things like, you know, stakeholder registers or change impact registers, um, surveys that they can use for for, you know, uh, templates that they can use for further changes. So it's about making sure that you know you you're passing on those skills to to the people that you work with in the organization, rather than making them sort of reliant on you.
0: Yeah, so they so they so they end up. I guess their business benefits then is they they acquire a, a, a new uh, capability, they um, adopt and can enjoy the benefits of the return on investment faster. So there's speed. There's all there's oil. There's capability, and then there's the skills transfer. I think which you which you pointed. Yeah. Would that be fair?
1: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah.
0: Uh, and you 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 and I met um, first uh, as speakers at at an event we were both speaking on different different topics and you were you just mentioned it there you were talking about AI Uh, and as we know there's a lot of hype and and not a little hysteria about the topic at the moment so really where where are we at in your opinion with uh artificial intelligence and the large language models like chat GPT that I guess some of our listeners will have been uh will have been playing around with Versus uh, AGI, which we don't have yet, with people that yeah. may be a little either frightened of or or enthused by. So, wh- wh- where are we on that um, journey? Do you think?
1: Yeah, well, well, uh, I, I think that uh, the advances that we've seen in large language models like ChatGPT, and you know, and there are several others, are, are really are a, a fantastic achievement, and I think they're kind of a watershed moment um, for AI in two ways. First of all, it's it's raised awareness over the past year or so of the potential of AI among the public. And it's also democratized AI. It's put AI into the hands of, of, of the masses. Uh, prior to ChatGPT being released, these large language models were only really available to you know, the technical folk, the programmers and developers via an API and an application programming interface. Um, so it's easy to underestimate how significant an achievement things like ChatGPT are. And um, I read somewhere where someone said, you know, it's a bit like we found a talking dog, but now we're critical about its grammar, you know. So it's a fantastic achievement. But on the flip side of that, there are uh, there are issues um, with using uh, large language models. Uh, for example, hallucinations, you know, it can make things up after all, the large language model is just trying to predict the next word or the next paragraph or the next page. So sometimes it makes things up just because it wants to fill in a gap. So, you know, uh, we have to be careful that ChatGPT doesn't fact check itself really, uh, at least yet so far. And then we have copyright issues and we also have uh, uh, bias and fairness issues with these machine uh, learning models. Um, And I'm also, you know, I'm not necessarily convinced that the progress that we're making with large language models will ultimately lead to AGI or or artificial uh, uh, general uh, intelligence. Although, I think as uh, a little while back, Elon Musk said that he expects we'll reach uh, AGI by the end of uh, this decade. And, um, I ran a survey recently on LinkedIn asking people, you know, when we when when I think uh, when they thought we would reach uh, AGI or artificial general intelligence. And it's interesting that uh, the majority voted for before 2030, um, which really surprised me. Um, but the next biggest vote was probably never. So you get sort of uh, uh, like uh, opposing uh, opinions on it.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe never. Who knows? Who knows? Exactly.
1: And and, and that's a valid opinion. It absolutely is. Because it might be that, you know, as I said, we're kind of almost going all in on large language models will lead to AGI, but there are experts out there who say that's not the way to go, you know. So um, who knows if we'll ever get there? Because the brain is such an amazing, you know, piece of machinery if i can put it like that that we don't fully understand at, at all you know so
0: yeah yeah well i mean the whole concept of what um consciousness is it's not really yeah. definable is it um, that's it. absolutely yes yeah, yeah. Yeah. um so but we're coming back maybe feet on the ground what, what can we do right now with uh this technology what, what can a business do right now with chat gpt for example
1: so there's lots of things uh, that you can do, and it really depends on, on your role. So for me, applications and use cases of ChatGPT include you know, brainstorming ideas. So you can ask it to give you 10 ideas for a blog or for an article or even for a workshop that you, you want to run. And um, I think it's very good for analysing and sum, summarising text. I've used it to analyse and summarise uh, survey results, for example, um, and I think a lot of folk I've, I've used it for this and I think it, it, it's it's a a really good use case for for most people we can use it to compose text um for sales campaigns and for 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 customer emails uh so you might ask it to say uh, improve my sales code uh uh email by making it appeal to the the emotions of a particular audience and then you can give it details about you know your product and details about your audience and it would generally do quite a good job of being creative in terms of the text that it suggests because again it's great for that brainstorming but you know where it falls over sometimes is it in in facts you know but where it's creativity and language it's it's fantastic for
0: yeah 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 i I, for example um take some notes at um a meeting and uh, put the notes into it and tell it to do yeah. a situation appraisal, and and it will do that. Yeah. And then you then you, you can say, or I've presented it with the, uh, the transcript of an interview, um, where I'm interviewing somebody like you, and we have a transcript, and yeah. I turn this transcript into an article for business people. Yeah. So it's taking it's taking our content and creating something else. Or yeah. I might, I might um write an article and then tell it to um um no sorry i, I might write a script for it for a video do the video and then tell it to write an article off the script that, I, that i've that i've written so yeah. it, it's kind of getting you into it's getting you in. you know sometimes people say well that's not your work when well, you say like if you just asked it to produce something that's not your work it just produces it but if yeah. you give it you give it content and ask it to do something else with it to repurpose it then the question arises is this your work or is this not your work? It's kind of a grey area, isn't it?
1: It is a grey area. And it's also, I think, that the quality, there's a vast difference in the quality when you give it you know substantial information for example you, you, your script for your video and then ask it to write an article yeah. Yeah. so that goes into this whole idea of prompt engineering and you know if you give it enough information and proper instructions you get quality output where if you ask it something really uh, vague and generic like you know write me an article for uh xyz it, yeah. it, what yeah. it comes out with we, will be pretty bland you know it wouldn't yeah. be awful but it'll be pretty bland yeah so the yeah. better the input the better the output yeah so it's
0: almost like it, to get the best use out of it, it's not just to be kind of lazy and ask it to do stuff it's it's to use it as an enhancement of your own abilities and that is
1: yeah absolutely i mean I, I i'm i'm all for the idea of ai augmenting humans rather than replacing them and i am um, you know, I think that's where we get the most value out of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe let's say in 2050 we might we might be all replaced, but for the moment it's it's there to augment us. I think. <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, another thing that kind of was cross was going through my head is that how, I, I've heard the comp, some companies using it maybe to integrate into their customer service, but saying how, how can you integrate this thing into your customer service and and remain um, secure? Like how how does that how can you do that?
1: Yeah, you've got you've got to be really careful about the information that you you, you share and, and how you share it. Uh certainly, uh, you know, via the, the 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 standard web interface in ChatGPT. So the, there's a couple of things. I know that uh, OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT, they've now released um, ChatGPT uh, Enterprise Edition, and um, you know specifically for uh, enterprises or organizations, and that introduces uh, additional controls. Then you've also got options, you know, which I, I'm actually investigating at the moment, where you can access um, ChatGPT and the underlying models uh, from within uh, cloud solutions like Microsoft Azure. So it's you know if you've got your data in that uh, a secure hosted solution like Microsoft Azure, and there are others, and um, there are, there are them ways, you know, with Microsoft to access uh, OpenAI and ChatGPT, and um, with but. Staying within that secure environment. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But it's, uh, and I think that's the way uh, organizations are are, are moving to. I think in the early days of using gpt there's certainly some famous cases of people, you know, submitting confidential information, <laughs> you know, company information, uh, uh, through it, you know. And I think um, the famous case was Samsung. I think two employees who were, um, you know, submitting confidential information uh, as part of a prompt or as part of a question, you yeah. know. Uh, you know, which is you know they got they got slapped on the wrist for that, obviously.
0: <laughs> what what it has done as well, I was told this by um, an actual a CEO of a Silicon Valley um, uh, decision intelligence software uh, company. I uh, uh, actually interviewed him a few few weeks ago, so he's in he's in the archive there. Yeah. But he said that that the advent of ChatGPT had kind of changed the clip or a change the uh, uh, connection in people's minds about what this stuff can do. So it has opened doors for him with regard to presenting his solutions and technology. Cause when, cause some of the, some of the things that his solutions did, people had doubts that software could do that. And yeah. now that people can see what software can do through chat GPT, they're not questioning him anymore with regard yeah. to his claims about what his software can do. So yeah, it's kind yeah. of opened people's minds as to the capability of like the talking dog is here, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Yes, yeah.
0: So, uh, we, we might do maybe as we come into the last uh few minutes, we might just ch- change tack a little and maybe I'll, I'll ask you a few questions about your own uh attitudes and life experience and see, yeah, um, what 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 makes uh, uh Declan. Declan foster so um in terms of life lessons that, that you've learned along the way what would you say is the most important life lesson that you've learned that stood to you throughout your
1: career uh i'd probably say that you know resilience is the most important thing in life and uh, being able to build that resilience muscle is a really important thing to do i mean we all we all get knocked down in life and we all have setbacks I think but what makes the difference is how you respond and mm-hmm. um, and it took me a while i think uh uh to learn that and uh you almost sometimes and i think in, in in our early years we we expect things out of life when we expect everything to go smoothly for us but i think i've learned then over the years that you know that resilience is the most important thing and you know if you do get knocked back down you know just you know dust yourself off and get back up again
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's in it's interesting um Sometimes when things go wrong, we kind of get frustrated or whatnot or resent, resent that, it's, that it's happened. Yeah. But um, I, I've been struck watching the the Rugby World Cup, and obviously sport is not life, but it kind of sometimes is a uh, distillation of certain lessons. Yeah. And when they're saying to uh, uh, Andy Farrell sometimes, like, you guys were under the cash there for a long time, you're under pressure, we're really lucky to survive that. And he answers, he's done it a few times, he says, that's where we want to be. So he's almost uh, happy in the adversity because the adversity yeah. he knows is making them more more resilient. And yeah. you see, I think some of the, some of the ways that um, the team stood up when they were, you know, in desperation on the line, but yet the other team didn't didn't score. And he's saying that's yeah. exactly that's that's exactly where we want to be. So uh, as you as you said, training that resilience uh, muscle, it's going to take a different attitude to
1: adversity, isn't it? It is yes yes and I get you bring up the point of also teamwork as well and not being afraid to rely on those around us and you know ask for help i guess yeah. you think know, part of, the, of a team whatever team that might be because you might be you know a solo entrepreneur or whatever that might be there're always someone that you can ask for help or you can ask an opinion of you know so
0: and has the experience of the last 2 to 3 years so we've lived through this um covid experience that kind of seems distant now but it was so real for 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 so long and uh, the experience of covid pandemic has it has it changed has it refined has it reinforced any of your own personal views or beliefs about work and about life and about business
1: yeah well i think personally i, I think we'll never go back to a, a nine to five monday to friday uh sitting at a desk in, in an office maybe in, in a city center uh somewhere Um, you know um i think for me the the pandemic experience the lockdowns has proved you know that it works and i, I know some people have some people say you know working from home does not make us more effective and efficient but then i sometimes ask well the key question is does it make us less efficient and i think the answer is no because then it it certainly improves our work life balance uh, i know it has for me And, and it's surely a positive thing for the environment with less, uh, with less traffic on the roads, uh, less people commuting every day.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was, I was um, wondering Well, a few kind of questions when when COVID started was, how the hell are we going to run the business at all, and then we realized we could run it online and then we had to do it 100%. And then when things started to open up, you say, how, will it go back to the way it was? Will it go back partially? And I think it's it's kind of settling now, maybe not 100%, but it's, it's settling yeah. now. And um, I'm finding, at least personally, um, huge increase in efficiency because of a reduction in travel. So I'd say maybe eight out of 10 face-to-face meetings that I would have had pre-COVID, eight out of 10 of them are now online and two out of 10 are face-to-face. Um, yeah and i'm finding with clients so people who do have to go into work to to an office some of the days and um, they also are not travelling as much because the the meetings they have with their colleagues in the sister plant or with the colleagues in the plant in cork or whatever they're not travelling to them now either even yeah. though they might be back, even though they might be back in the office
1: yeah. And I think what I found as well is it actually makes the times when we do get together physically in person, but, you know, more important, you know, when we're face to face. So, yes, the majority of absolutely the majority of my, my meetings are now virtual. But when we get together with the team or, or teams for, you know, a brainstorming session or some type of workshop, we actually kind of appreciate that so much more and that yeah. time sort of face to face. You know, so so who knew? You know that who could imagine that the day when we'd look forward to a <laughs> workshop, you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> as a treat yeah. almost. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: so outside of outside of work, then what kind of things do you like to do when you're you're not thinking about AI or change management or project management? What do you what do you get up to?
1: Yeah, i I'll I like to exercise, and uh, particularly at the moment, I'm um, getting back into running at the moment. And but we're talking about you know doing park runs rather than, yeah. than marathons. So I'm oh, try doing yeah. the park runs on, on, on the Saturday mornings, you know, get you up out of bed and gets the exercise in first yeah. thing in the morning. So that's good. <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 That's good. I do, I do them as well. Although I, um, I, I got, a, I sprained my knee. I uh, got a, a ligament sprain in my knee. So I had to leave off oh, for a couple yeah. of months. So just get, just getting back now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You miss, you miss it when you can't do it, don't you?
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 It's frustrating.
1: <laughs> yes so, uh, yeah.
0: are you are you reading or reading anything or listening to any interesting podcasts that are kind of inspiring that you'd recommend
1: uh i've just finished reading a fantastic book um called uh ethical machines um from from uh reed blackman um and it's all about the importance of having uh, an ethical approach to artificial intelligence you probably know, touched on earlier um, and i can really highly recommend that um uh, it's a really fantastic book. Who's the
0: author? Do you remember the author name?
1: Yeah, sorry, it's Reid Blackman R-E-I-D and Blackman. Reid um, Blackman. He's right. a, a U.S. Uh, commentator, yeah. and we often see him on CNN and other places. He talks about artificial intelligence and also about the specifically around the ethics around artificial intelligence, and. Um, and I, I particularly like the way he, he. There's a lot of talk about the different principles and values that you need to have for, um, when you're implementing, uh, AI systems. But but he broke it down into three main values or principles, and he talks about uh, privacy, uh, transparency, uh, and bias. You know, if so, you focus on the those three things and you get them right for any AI project or a, any AI initiative, then you're probably off to a good start. So I uh, highly recommend that book.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, many thanks, Declan. The, the time flies on on here, as you know. Uh, yeah. You will have you will have realised. So, thanks very much for being here with us today. It's uh, been an absolute pleasure to uh, to chat with you.
1: Thanks, Patrick. Great chatting to you today.
0: And thanks also to our listeners for tuning in again today. And be aware that if you enjoyed this episode, you can find the full series of over 130 episodes of interlinks on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast, and other major podcast platforms. So until next time, keep well and stay safe.